give a hearty thank you Apparently I pushed a button. You'll find I do that a lot. It's good to see all of you this morning. I want to start by thanking the elders for inviting us back this weekend. It's nice to be able to see some of you and actually remember some of your names this time around. Uh, unlike last week when we were here and half of you came up and said, I remember you when you were little. And I said, I don't remember you. But it's good to be here this morning with all of you. If you're visiting with us, please don't take off until you at least get to talk to some folks. I think that there's some people around here that actually care about you and would like to have a conversation with you and get to know you a little bit better. So plan on sticking around if you can. This morning I wanted to talk about priorities, or at least priority, as we've got the lesson title today. And have you ever noticed that everybody has priorities? And when you get a group of people together, that's when it really gets interesting as you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. And everybody thinks that they know what everybody else's priority is because we just assume that everybody's priority is my priority, right? And this came to light for my wife and I several years ago. We had started looking to buy a house in Iowa. And this is what I found to be absolutely true, this meme that I found. And we're in the process of buying a house and she's looking at furniture and paint samples while I'm imagining all the ways that I can fortify the house for a zombie apocalypse. But isn't that true? When you, especially just in a married couple's life as you're working and operating together, and I know you're laughing at that, and you're probably thinking, man, this guy's paranoid. You're really not paranoid if they truly are out to get you. Okay. But we do have different priorities in life, and whenever we begin intermingling people, that's when we start to find out the real differences in all of the things that are going on. So I want, I'm going to put a list up on the board here, or up on the screen. And I am going to encourage you, use your phone, use a piece of paper, use a pen, I don't care. I want you to prioritize in one through 10, one being your top priority, 10 being your bottom priority, how you would list these words. There's spouse, kids, work, school, others, yourself, entertainment, organic breakfast cereal, exercise, God. Take a moment. Make your list. Now I know that everybody has organic breakfast cereal, at least number two. I see some of you still working, so we'll leave it up for a little bit longer. Well, the looks on some of your faces, this is really difficult. Okay, I'm going to give you 10 more seconds. So if you're working behind, work a little faster. Okay. Now, I bet, put it away for now, we'll come back to it, but I bet that if we were to compare lists with each other, which I hope you actually do this afternoon over lunch or in conversation, but if we were to compare lists, we would see some similarities. For instance, how many of us put God as number one? I would hope so. We're all here this morning. 
You know, that would kind of be like the whole the old Bible school answer that all the kids always fall back to when you ask them a question. It's either Jesus or God. They know that's the right answer in Bible class. I would hope and pray that each of us here this morning understands that God would need to be on the top of that list. But I'd like to challenge your thinking on lists for a bit this morning. Uh, because I think there's an inherent problem with lists. And we see it happening because every time we come across a list, we automatically look at what needs to receive our attention, and then we begin allocating energy and resources based on what is the priority on the list, and everything else will just kind of trickle it down together. Because we can't focus on item two until we have item one or three or whatever taken care of first. And I, listen, that's just the way humans view things when they're looking at lists. That's how they approach those things. And I want to try and get us away from the normal view of lists and take us into a different idea. And I think that this applies to anybody, young, old, single, with kids, without kids, just God's people living in this world. And I want to do this by running a little bit of an experiment this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Now, for those of us that are familiar with the scriptures, we know where we're going. But I want to read through a section of scripture twice with you today. We're in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to start, well, the first reading, we're actually going to start in verse 3. We're going to read through this together, and I'll tell you where I am as I read through it, and then we're going to read it again, okay? And this is, I think, another one of those sections of Scripture that we apply selective memory to in some ways. Exodus chapter 2, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath the earth. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So what, you notice what I did there? It's often how we see the Ten Commandments being presented to us. How are the Ten Commandments presented to us? As a list. And we often, even if, and I'm going to read it here, the whole thing in context here in a second, but oftentimes what happens when we read that, our mind automatically starts filing that as a list. Here's number one, here's number two, here's number three, here's number four. And, you know, and this is where I get back to the problem with lists. Is number 10 just as important as number one? As long as I'm taking care of number one, I can, I can cheat on my wife all day long, right? No. But that is the mentality that is often taken to a list system of, of thinking. So let's read it together. But now let's look at it in the entire context of what God is saying to the people. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations on those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, or you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his house, excuse me, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It changes the way we hear God speak when we read it as a whole, doesn't it? Of what God is actually saying to the Israelites in the entirety of the context. And I think we face the same challenge that the Israelites faced uh, as they were receiving the, this, this proclamation from God in everything that they were doing, right? Uh, because it turns into a list of priorities for them of what's important and what's not important. And if this is important, then I need to do these things, but I, I don't need to do these things. And so the ancient rabbis will break the ancient law down to 600. Well, let me back up real quick. How many rules you got in your house? Yeah. Give me a number, man. You don't know. Where's your mom? I bet she knows. You got more than 10? Less than 600? Okay, then you're doing better than what the ancient rabbis said for the law. They broke it down to 613 commandments. Okay? And then they, they not only took the 613 commandments, but then they said, all right, here's the deal, guys. We got 613 things the Lord says that we need to do according to the law, and here's the do's. 248. Here's the do's. And here's the don'ts. 365. Time progresses. What happens when you start looking at things this way? Something becomes more important than others. So that by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, while taking the Lord's name may not be a big deal, idols are a really big deal. And so Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least, pay attention, because now Jesus is addressing a mindset of how the Israelites had been approaching the law. Whoever then annuls the least of these commandments... And teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Which, by the way, would be the most mind-blowing statement Jesus could ever make to the Jewish population to tell them that their righteousness would have to surpass the cream of the crop, the, the religious of the religious, in order to enter into the kingdom. The Pharisees had presented themselves in such a way of, of being the most holy people. And Jesus says, here's the deal. You've got to be more holy than them. And the people just really don't understand that right now. Because Jesus isn't talking about taking a list of commands and going, okay, uh, let's go down the list here real quick. We've got 613 things here that we need to get accomplished. 24 hours in the day. So let's take care of 1 through 10 and 517 through 523. 
the law was meant to be looked at as a whole idea. Go back to your list you made earlier real quick. Pull it out for me, please. Go back to that list and look at it. Again, most of us, if not all of us, have God as number one on our priority, right? And since God is your first priority, then you would automatically have other priorities on that list. This is how that works. Work, school, kids, spouse, organic breakfast cereal. We could maybe change that over for veganist lifestyle, if that's what you would prefer. But because they are lower than God on that list, that doesn't mean that we forget them, right? It's just that they're not as important as what we're looking at. And here's what happens. When God is your top priority, how many hours a week do you give him? Let's say you give him 10. We'll be generous. Let's say you give him 10, right? Kids, help me out. I'm not good at math. 24 hours a day times 7. How many hours is that in a week? Did I say that too fast? 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. How many hours in a week? Huh? Is he speaking English? Say it loud, please. 168. All right, so we got 10 hours to God. That gives us 158 hours left in the week. All right, we got to sleep. Yeah, so if you're like me, you get about four hours a night. So we take that out, you know, 28 hours out of that. Yeah, well, then my wife does need some attention. I'll give her. I don't want to give her more than God. I'll give her nine. My kids are pretty important to me, too, but not as important as my wife, so they get eight. See how that works? That's how the mind works in these things. And we, we begin moving down the list so that we can take care of other priorities that we have that we're afraid of neglecting because we're all focused, we don't want to be too focused on number one. But when you go back to Exodus 20 and you look at that entire story in its context and how God is speaking to them of who he is, we begin to see the picture that he is painting. That God is not telling the Israelites to be, that he is to be their top priority. He is telling the Israelites that he is the and only priority for them. And when God is the and only priority, everything else gets taken care of. This is the point Jesus makes in Matthew 23. He's speaking to the Pharisees there, right? He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe the mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, you swallow the camel. You hear what Jesus is saying here, guys? He's looking at him and going, you neglected these things, which are the important things. Justice, mercy. And if you had just taken care of those things, would you have to worry about what you were tithing? Or would that have just been a natural outpouring of that focus? Would that have just been taken care of as a natural result of your lives and behaviors? You know, he's asked in Matthew chapter 22, just a page earlier, in my Bible anyway, he's asked a page earlier in Matthew 22, he comes up and says, teacher, what is the, the greatest commandment in the law? 
And I, and I have a note in my Bible that says, what is the main thing? Right? What is the one most important commandment that I really do need to be focusing on uh, and so that I can forget and neglect the other commandments? And, what, and you know Jesus' answer on that. The greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Against these two things, the whole law and the prophets are built on these, whole, these two things. This is the main thing. And if, this is where your focus needs to be. It's where your, need, where your motivation comes from. It's what your heart is tied to. And Jesus' answer to the question is, it's not about figuring out what the priority commandment is so you can neglect the others. It's about understanding who you're serving, what he has done for you. He is the priority. Everything else just falls into place after that. And when I say everything, guys, I mean everything. If God is the priority, is my spouse cared for? If God is the priority, are my kids cared for? My work? My neighbor? Myself? My entertainment? I know I went straight from preaching to meddling on that one, sorry. Do I have to worry about filling out the list if God is right at the top? Changes the way we see things, doesn't it? Changes the way we approach life, doesn't it? Because with God as our priority, then we no longer have to worry about a division of resources. We don't have to worry about dividing up the day into hours and minutes of what we're going to give to what. Because all of our attention is focused on God. It's focused on Christ. He is who guides us. And that means that we are truly operating on faith. Not by sight. We hear of a tragedy in Thailand this morning. But we continue to operate on faith because God is focus. He will care for those folks. And that's the point that David makes in our psalm, in Psalm 23 that was our reading this morning. Because think about how that psalm starts. We're all familiar with it, I know, and it becomes almost rote when we read it. But think about the meaning behind the words that are being written there. Turn back over there. We're going to read it again. He starts with a declarative statement. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I have no needs. I have no wants. And I'll tell you why I don't have any wants. Because my focus and attention is on that shepherd, and I know that his care and love for me is greater than anything on this planet and anything that I could ever experience. And because of that, he takes care of me. I get green pastures, quiet water, restoration guiding me, even when I am near death and facing death, there's no fear because I know that he's with me. I know my focus is where it needs to be. And when things look dire and tragic and dangerous, 
I'm sitting at the table with the Lord because he's prepared that one for me. And I know because the Lord is my shepherd that no matter the situation or anything that's going on in my life, that goodness, loving kindness are with me all the days of my life because the source is not from anything on this earth and it's not from any list that I have tried to contrive. It comes directly from the source as I walk with him and trust in him and have faith in him and focus all of my energy on him. And I, guys, it does not matter if you are young, old, rich, poor, single, married, with kids or without kids, no job, job, American, Russian, Democrat, Republican, I don't care. I can't even think of any more to put on the list. The priority is Christ is all in all. I'll leave you with a word of encouragement as we close out our time. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul tells us, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And that is what our focus is meant to be in this life as Christians. To be that person in this world. And whether you believe it or not, God has put you in this place at this time for that purpose. He believes that you can do it. He gave his son to die so that you can do it. Where's your focus? Where's your attention? Is God the priority? Because I promise you, and the only reason I'm promising you is because God's promised me in his word, that if we make him the priority, everything else will get taken care of. Everything else. I don't have to worry about my relationship with my wife because God's taking care of it for me. I don't have to worry about my relationship with my kids because God's taking it care of me, taking care of it. Trust in Him and He will do that. Stephen's got a song for us this morning. What is the name of it again? I forgot. There it is. Lord, what a great invitation song for us today, right? Isn't that not what we're looking for in this life, is for God to just take control? And this isn't some kind of flippant statement, you know, like that old country song, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Because this is, we still are being active in the role that he's guiding us in, and he's doing these things. He believes that we can do this, and if we would just let him have the control of our lives that he's looking for. You may find yourself sitting here this morning ready to allow him into your life, ready to make the confession of Jesus as the Christ. He is the Son of God. He did come to this earth as a man. He did die for our sins. His blood cleans us cleaner than any cleaner on the planet because not only does it cleanse us from our sins, Peter tells us that it cleanses our conscience. And so now we get to enjoy that whole concept that we understand that guilt was for the guilty, but now I'm no longer guilty and not feeling guilt. And I can live free the way he wants us to. Make the confession of Jesus. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You need the prayers of the body. Counsel from the elders. They're here for you. We're here. The body is here for you. But you have to have the strength and the courage to know that it needs to be done in a way that we can understand and actually hear the words from your mouth. Don't be ashamed of difficulties and challenges. We all have them. That's why we're here. But if we can help you this morning, if the elders can help you, we encourage you to make that need known by coming forward while we stand and sing.